All right, so today being Mother's Day, um, I thought, wouldn't it be absolutely great um, to hear from an actual mother? And I am not one, surprise. Um, but I'm married to one, and, uh, and so Marcy's gonna come up and join me today. If you wanna come on up now, that'd be great, yes. And uh, help with the sermon. So, <clears throat> thinking that uh, in my mind, I was like, this would be such a great idea to have, you know, a mother's perspective on on the message. But then I also realized um, it's Mother's Day, and she's not supposed to have any responsibility, and I'm having her speak. So it's like <laughs> more responsibility than any normal day. And so I'm very, very appreciative that she would come up and, and help today. Um, so we've been going through a series on the book of Acts, and we're in the fifth week of that series. And we've been looking at basically kind of the acts of the early church, what made the early church go. And over the last five weeks, we've talked about how they were these acts that were united around this common mission that Jesus had given the church, where he said, go out and be my witness, and um, be my witness here, and then also spread out and be my witness uh, in the surrounding area, and then go to the ends of the earth. And there were these acts that were united around this mission. Um, and then we talked about how there were these acts that were empowered by the Spirit. And so as Jesus rises from the dead and then ascends to heaven, um, he, he basically like activates his Spirit inside of all of his followers. And there's this, this thing called the Holy Spirit that unites us all and empowers us, and, and it gives us courage, and it gives us guidance. And so we talked about how these acts were empowered by the Spirit. And then we've talked about how um, the acts uh, happened in the face of persecution. The acts uh, last week, there was all sorts of uh, resistance to this movement, and they lived in very oppressive uh, circumstances. And in the midst of the hardship, uh, the church spreads. And one of the ways that it was uh, it was so contagious, and the way that it spread was because. These people were completely um, uh, loving of each other. And we talked about how there's this relational church aspect to the early church where they would do life with one another. They knew each other. They, they prayed for one another. They served one another. Um, they shared with one another. And uh, it was just very, very important to kind of their identity. It was how they did life with one another. Um, this week I wanted to, to talk about this idea of the heart of a, of a mother. And I, I thought it was interesting because it, when we look at the book of Acts, um, there's this story that takes place in Acts chapter 17. And in Acts 17, um, the church in Thessalonica, uh, which is this Roman colony, it's this old Greek city-state that the Romans kind of take over, um, the, the church has start, started there with kind of a, a wild story. And uh, in Acts chapter 17, when Paul and his companions get there, um, everywhere Paul goes, there ends up being a riot. And this is, uh, there's no difference here. It says in verse 5 of chapter 17, it says, The Jews were jealous of, of Paul and his companions, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. Some bad characters. Which is like, what is this, like, a children's story? <laughs> some bad guys. And, uh, but then they formed a mob, and they started a riot in the city. And so when the church is formed in Thessalonica, there's this immediate resistance, there's this immediate hardship where there's these bad characters band together and they're against Paul. And then what we know is that the church there um, ends up being, uh, you know, uh, ends up thriving, ends up growing, and all these people start coming uh, to Jesus and start following Jesus. And then uh, much long, longer, a long time after that, uh, Paul writes a letter to this church, this church in, Thess in Thessalonica. And uh, the letters are found in First and Second Thessalonians. And, and Paul talks about his time there, and he talks about kind of the way he interacted with people. 
And one of the things he says in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, um, starting in, in kind of like halfway through verse 6, he says, As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. So Paul, this you know, gruff man, you know, this tent maker, um, uses this analogy. He says, we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her children. So when Paul said, this is, you want to know what it, was, uh, what it was like to be building this church in this place where there's all sorts of hardship, we took on the heart of a, mo- a mother, really. When you think about the heart of a mother, what a mother is able to do, the way that she's able to nurture her kids, the way that she loves unconditionally, the gentleness aspect. And then Paul goes on to say, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And then Paul goes on to talk about how also he was like a father to these people. And so there's this idea that even though there's, they're not related, in the church there's this kind of new family that's formed. And, and he talks about this idea of almost being like these spiritual parents for these, uh, these people in Thessalonica where they, they were trying to do what's best for the people in Thessalonica and everything that they, they do. They were trying to empower them and have them to live up to be the kind of people God had designed them to be. Um, so, but he uses this phrase, we were, like, we were like a mother is to her children. And so as we talk about even Mother's Day today, um, Mother's Day is special because of, it's a time where we, we, honor, uh, we honor all of the, the moms in this room. And we're very excited that you're here. We're very excited about the life that you live. Um, but also we, we honor all of the women in the church um, because I believe even if, uh, if you don't have kids, you don't plan on having kids, you're not able to have kids, um, that there's this spirit of the heart of the mother that, that is in you. Um, and as you interact with people, as you mentor younger people, um, you take on that heart. And much like the Apostle Paul, um, you say that like, you could be among people as a mother is among her children. And so um, this, the spirit of Mother's Day is uh, not only do we honor those who are moms, but also what a mom is in our culture and what a mom can be. And as our, um, we live in a culture where families get mixed, and um, uh, what we find is that this, this spirit of the heart of a mother can be kind of found in, in relationships with other people. And so, um, but when Paul was saying we wanted to, to share not only the gospel of God with you, but our lives as well, um, I wanted just uh, Marcy to kind of share her story being a mom. We have three children, and uh, it's the funnest thing in the world, and it's the most difficult thing in the world um, at the same time. And we love our children, um, but we've gone through some really interesting kind of stories. And I thought it's just as Marcy would kind of share what she's learned about God through these experiences and what she's learned about being a mom, um, that would kind of guide kind of this converse- conversation. So. Take it away, babe. All right. <laughs> yes. All right. So I'm just going to tell you guys some of the things, and a lot of you know, have walked with us in the past couple years and the things that have gone on in our lives. And so you get to hear it all again. You're welcome. Um, so some of you don't know, uh, we grew up here. Um, we moved away to Texas for a couple years, um, and we went there to plan a church, and um, we failed. It took a lot of counseling to be able to say that. <laughs> we failed. Um, we came home in December 2012, um, broken, um, heartbroken, um, and uh, so that's kind of where the story starts. And um, I don't know if you've got this picture coming up. Yep, there's a. Uh, 
that's little Sophia and little Micah and little baby Ezra. And this is one of those things we talk about on Instagram. You get to see the cute pictures, but you don't know the whole story going on behind, um, behind the picture. And so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of um, my testimony. And um, after coming back from Texas, I think um, you know, we, our leaving there was unexpectedly sudden, and it was um, heartbreaking, and it was painful, and it was frantic. Um, and we just couldn't wait to get home, to be here, um, surrounded by people who, who loved us and would take care of us because we needed it. Um, we came home a little cynical. Um, the whole Christian subculture just really gets under me still sometimes. Um, so I say words like testimony, and I'm like, ugh, I like that word, testimony. But if you look in the dictionary, Testimony is evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. It's not so bad then. If you just take it for what it is. So, um, like I said, we got back and we went into straight survival mode. I went and started working at a daycare center with uh, 24 little two-year-olds. I left my two-year-old at home with Jared, who had, at this point was not working. So he was home transporting kids to and from. We had this is why Mother's Day means so much to me. Because <laughs> he had six-month <laughs> taste of what it was. I was a mom for like six months. <laughs> and he loved it so much. <laughs> Neither of us were in our roles and where we were wanted to be at all. Um, and uh, at this point, I... I was really good at being a mom. Uh, <laughs> <I know. laughs> you were. We all survived. Um, but we're in this place where, you know, he comes home and, and he's home alone and with the kids and he's processing everything we've gone through and he's talking with people on the phone all day and I'm going to work all day, coming home, getting the kids to bed, doing it again. And I just hadn't processed any of what we had just gone through. And um, so on January 4th, my mom reads the Jesus Calling all the time and she'll send it to me when she thinks I really need to read it that day. And January 4th said, I want you to learn a new habit. Try saying, I trust you, Jesus, in response to whatever happens to you. If there's time, think about who I am and all my power and glory. Ponder also the depth and breadth of my love for you. This simple practice will help you see me in every situation. Your continual assertion of trusting me will strengthen our relationship and keep you close to me. So this became one of those things that I could do in the chaos of running back and forth to work and raising our two little ones, is I could just say, I trust you. I trust you, Jesus. And if that's all I could say that entire day, then that's all I would say. And I would just say, I trust you, Jesus. That became one of my mantras. Um, not a couple weeks into work, uh, one night Sophia was in the shower um, and slipped and cut her head. And if you've ever had a kid or anybody cut their head, there's just a lot of blood. And Jared was up there, does not do well with blood. Um, Pass out. It's <laughs> not good. I do. I so he's standing there yelling, Marcy. And I run upstairs, and it's like uh, from a horror movie, you know, because the water's coming down on her head on top of the blood, too. So, she, I mean, she's just standing there covered in blood. It's terrifying. So we, we handled it well. Aunt Randy happened to be coming in town. We took her to the hospital. Sophia got stitches, and we were okay. We got home, and we're like, okay, we survived that. That wasn't so bad. Um, a couple weeks later, our little Micah, um, he started getting really sick, and I'm going to spare all the details for you, but it was... Um, Basically, at this point, we had gone about a week of changing his diaper every 15 minutes. Every 10 minutes, he would scream out in pain. Um, and this is 24 hours a day for a week. It gets exhausting. Um, we had gone into the hospital. We did the emergency room one night. And um, we're done. <laughs> we're already worn. Um, there's our little buddy with Ivy. And, 
And um, I'd already felt like I had been walking through the darkest days of life, and I didn't know how much more there could be. Um, and in the hospital, I read 2 Corinthians 12.9 that night. Um, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I've heard that before, and I've heard, okay, it's okay to be weak, that's cool. But what I'd never really seen before was that so Christ's power may rest on me. And at that moment, that sounded so perfect, like everything that was wrong in me could just be covered. Um, it sounded gentle, but it sounded strong. It was permission to be weak. Um, and like everything that was wrong in my heart could be covered. There was my doubt, my unbelief, my anger, and the worst at this point was my embarrassment for feeling these things, um, that I, I wasn't trusting him, and, and I, I just didn't. And it, that was the hard, harder for me than even the not trusting, it was just the embarrassment of not being able to. Um, so that became my second tiny prayer, just rest your power on me, Jesus. I trust you, rest your power on me. And that was all I had, that was all I could do. So um, we get home from the hospital. They just say it's a virus um, that night. And um, you know, the, the mom gut, you know, it's not quite right because this isn't just something that's going to pass. And um, so a couple days later, Jared had, um, I'd gone to work. And Jared had to take him in for a follow-up. And they sent him straight back to the hospital. He was so dehydrated at this point. He hadn't eaten in days. Um, and this was just constant. Um, so they ended up checking us in to the hospital for two days and through three days and two nights we were there, Julie brought us popsicles and sat with us for a while, and um, it was dark, really dark days when you just sit and watch your kid, and there's nothing you can do to make it better, especially when they, you know, so many tests they've done, you know, I'm going cha-ching, 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 it's ultrasounds, it's not appendicitis, it's not this, and we're ruling everything out, but we're not getting any answers. Um, we come to find out that he um, was diagnosed with Salmonella typhi. No idea how he got it. We had to do interviews with the CDC, and um, it wasn't a fun few weeks. Um, so here we are. We're getting home. Yeah, we have all these hospital bills, but it's okay. Jared's not working, but it's okay. I trust you. Rest your power on me. Um, and then we get to the Easter season. And this is the first year we'd gotten to the Saturday before Easter, and it's the first year I'd entered into what Saturday before Easter had been for the disciples. It was the first time I thought, like, he's not who he said he was to them. I mean, at this point, they just know he's dead. They don't know Sunday's coming. And, and what must that have been like when you have invested, you know, your life? You have followed this man, um, and he's gone, and he's not who he said he was. And I think it's probably because it's the first time I'd started identifying with what that might feel like. I was at this point in my life where I didn't know if he was who he said he was. You know, he called us to Texas. We know he called us to Texas, and we got there, and it, it didn't go the way we planned, and our hearts were broken, and we were shattered. Um, so that's where we were. That's also the day we found out we were pregnant. Surprise! No insurance. Yay! Um, so after about two weeks, we kind of kept it on the down low, and um, I ended up at work with all these little two-year-olds when I just wanted to be with my little two-year-olds, and uh, just doubled over in pain, ended up in the hospital. So this is our fourth ER visit. We had never went to the hospital. Jared had his appendix out. Other than that, we just we hadn't done the hospital at all. Um, this is our fourth time in three months after our whole Texas experience. So... Um, we get in the hospital, and it turns out after ultrasounds that I had kidney stones, which I've never had since, never had before. 
just this one time random thing. Um, but through that, they had done an ultrasound. They kept me overnight. And the next morning, the doctor came in and said, um, it looks like this isn't a viable pregnancy. Or you're going to be losing this baby. Um, we'd done that before. Our first year of marriage, we had a miscarriage, um, which I don't recommend for your first year of marriage. <laughs> that also takes a lot of counseling. <laughs> um, and then we had Sophia. And then we had another miscarriage, and then we had Micah. And so I just had this conversation with Sarah Buckmaster that I had feared that our next pregnancy, this is what's, this is what's gonna happen, this is our pattern. It's miscarriage child, miscarriage child, and here we are. I should have expected this, you know, here we go. It's, it, this is what's gonna happen. Um, so this time there was just nothing left in me. I went, we went home, they checked me out that night, and um, Jared ended up taking the kids out, and I was home alone. Um, and all I could do was just sit and listen to music because I had, I had nothing to say. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Um, I tried to journal. So things like, how much more will you ask me to endure? I'm at the end. I can't find your love. This doesn't feel like love. I trust you. You take care of the birds. You will take care of us. I feel like I'm living in the Saturday before Easter, the day Jesus was dead, the day he left me alone, the silence, the day I wondered, did I really get it that wrong? Maybe he wasn't who I thought he was, my perfect savior. Um, right after that, uh, a song by 10th Avenue North came on called Warn. I don't know if you've heard it before, but I'm going to read you a few of the lyrics because it was the first time my thoughts had been put into something that I, I understood. So he says, um, they sing, I'm tired, I'm worn. My heart is heavy from the work it takes to keep on breathing. I've made mistakes. I've let my hope fail. My soul feels crushed by the weight of this world. And I know that you can give me rest, so I cry out with all that I have left. Let me see redemption win. Let me know the struggle ends, that you can mend a heart that's frail and torn. I want to know a song can rise from the ashes of a broken life, and all that's dead inside can be reborn. I know I need to lift my eyes up, but I'm too weak. Life just won't let up. And I know that you can give me rest, so I cry out with all that I have left. My prayers are wearing thin. I'm worn before the day begins. I'm worn. I've lost my will to fight. I'm worn, so heaven come and flood my eyes. I want to know a song can rise from the ashes of a broken life, and all that's dead inside can be reborn, and all that's dead inside can be reborn. And I could barely write that last line because there were too many emotions, and I knew that I had this baby in me, um, and I, I, couldn't write, I couldn't write the words. I knew that he could if he wanted to, right? He's in that business. But this is our pattern, miscarriage Sophia, miscarriage Micah, miscarriage. I should have expected it. Um, so dare I hope. Would God show himself to me in a way so that I can't doubt who he is? Would he really choose this baby when we already lost two other babies? Um, when I've walked with friends who have gone through this so many times and, and their babies aren't there, um, so no, I just, I wasn't going to hope. And even if I did hope, I hoped quietly, and I wouldn't say it out loud, because um, all it did was set him up for another chance to fail me and me to have hope and be failed again. Um, and I couldn't handle that. So I waited, and we waited um, for about two weeks. Um, I went back into work in this time, and it was just torture knowing that at any minute, um, this was it, and we were going to be losing our third baby here. Um, the other times we'd had our miscarriages, um, it had just happened. And so this was the first time I'd watched through waiting for it to happen. So this two weeks of just no nothing. I had nothing. And I knew this was it. Um, 
it was so dark and the anticipation was so much. Um, and that time we celebrated Micah's third birthday, right, you know, right after getting him healthy from the hospital and just so thankful to have this healthy baby, but at the same time mourning the loss of this other baby. So two weeks, um, we had a follow-up appointment. Um, I ended up taking my mom with me because she's really good at making me ask a lot of questions and remembering details. And um, happy. happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Thanks for being there. <laughs> I was invited to this doctor's appointment. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> he was invited. He just doesn't remember the details quite as well. I needed details. <laughs> um, so we talked to the doctor, and he said, all right, well, there's, you know, we can do this pill, we can do this, but let me just squeeze you in real quick to the ultrasound tech just to make sure, you know, we've got things right. Um, she happened to have an opening at that minute, and we walked in, um, and she put the little Doppler on my belly, and I saw it so fast within seconds. And if you've seen it, you know, um, just that steady, fast pulsing. Um, I lose it. Gail loses it. Um, the text says, well, there's a baby in there. Everything's measuring exactly as it should be, seven weeks and four days. Um, and at that moment, I felt it, and I heard it so clearly. Um, Marcy Lane, I am who I say I am. And he um, had taken this experience for me, um, and he spoke to me in this moment when I needed it um, so desperately to know that he is who he says he is. Um, in the follow-up, you know, in that moment, we just left, and poor Tom <laughs> was meeting with Jared at the time, and we're like, ah, there's a baby! And Tom's like, ah, who are you? Um, so my mom wanted me to ask the doctor um, exactly why they were so confident to say we were going to be losing this baby. And I probably should know. Maybe the labs were read wrong, and um, maybe just levels weren't rising as fast as they should. Um, but I don't want to hear the medical reasoning, because I want to remember what I learned. I want to remember what I experienced. I want to remember the pain and the emptiness. And I want to remember the joy and the elation. I want to remember, and I want to tell this story because he's real and because he loves me and he loves me so much that this time the medical professionals got it wrong um, i lived through that agony again so that i can tell others so i can walk with others who are in the darkest of places and tell them i know there is help and he will come through for you it may not look the same way but he is who he says he is um, second corinthians 1 4 in the message says he comes alongside us when we go through hard times and before you know it he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. And what a beautiful picture um, of the importance of community in a village and, and walking with each other and, and being real with each other. Um, so now I have this testimony. I have this evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. Um, I have Ezra. And he is now 17 months old. Um, his name means help. And he is my miracle baby who helped me find my way back to life. Yeah. So um, thank you for sharing that message. And I, I think for, for me, kind of watching kind of you go through it, and something you said earlier is, and I mean, being a mom, mom is, is difficult. And uh, we live in a society, I think, that we kind of project like an image of everything being okay. And like you said, like even like the Instagram photo, it's like we live in a world where we, that's what we project is like life is great. And I'm, I'm so good at this. And 
you know, that kind of thing. And then, like, the reality is um, life is challenging, and being a parent's challenging, and being a mom's challenging. I was, like I said, six months. I was like the mom. No, not funny. Um, but, but I know a lot of uh, women in here uh, know what that's like, more so than um, us dudes can understand. And what you carry and like your heart for uh, your kids and the fear that comes with it, the, yeah, the, the weight of that responsibility, um, it's, it's a lot. And I've seen that kind of with Marcy and going through this and going through things that people don't understand that you're going through, the loneliness, the, yeah, the, the difficulty of that. Um, but when Paul is, let's get right into the Thessalonians, um, he kind of has this prayer for them. And I thought we could close with it today. And I think it's a, a prayer for all of us, but especially I hope it's a, an encouraging prayer for, uh, for the moms. But it's in second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and it says this, Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And we think about how we always talk about, like, what is God's will for my life? And there's this very direct uh, challenge and, and encouragement right here is to be joyful always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. I think that's one thing that we've We've learned, and I've watched you learn through kind of the ups and downs, is um, to pray continually, to be joyful always, and to give thanks. Um, and so uh, I'm very grateful for you, and uh, grateful for all the, all the moms uh, here and all the women. Um, and I thought today as we close, we're going to close with time of communion, and Matt's going to come back up. But um, we have flowers for all of the women in the church. And there's probably going to be extras uh, for any of, uh, if you want to take one and, and if your mom's not here or you have someone that you could give it to, you could probably have a few extras that you could take. But if, uh, if Danny could come up and help, um, I just, if we could have all the women stand up in the room, if that would be okay. And uh, if, um, I don't know if this is, yeah, I'll, I'll take half of them too. But can we just give a round of applause for all the women? Oops, all right. So let me pray, and we'll pass these roses out, and then uh, let's take communion together. And Matt's going to close us with this song, with this hymn. And, uh, and then Matt, could you dismiss us at the end? That'd be okay. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for, uh, just, uh, for loving us. Lord, we thank you for uh, sending uh, moms into the world. Um, just the, the force of unconditional love that they are and uh, the strength, the inner strength that they have to just take care of us. And uh, Lord, we just want to honor them today. We want to thank you for, uh, for just all the women and, and everything that they, they add to the world, everything that they do for, for families, for communities. And um, Lord, I just pray a special blessing on them today. Lord, that their lives would be filled with joy and that they would be joyful always that they would give thanks in all circumstances, that they would be close to you, that they'd pray continually. And um, Lord, help us uh, uh, as, as men to understand um, just what they, they go through as, and the, the weight that they carry. Um, and we just ask uh, for you to be with us, Lord. We thank you for 
the peace that passes understanding. We thank you for um, the strength that comes through hardship and, uh, and for being with us in the moments of loneliness. So may your blessing be upon us today, Lord, and uh, specifically amongst these women. We love you so much. In your sons, let me pray. Amen.